Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the Gospel of Matthew with this sermon entitled, Christians Must Forgive, preached on October 29, 1995. Now, if you have your Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18, 21 through 35, I want to speak to you about the subject, Christians must forgive. Complete forgiveness from God is not found in any other religion but the religion of the Old and New Testament. According to the Persian Zoroaster, no sinner can be saved. And if you are a Buddhist or a Hindu, there is this inexorable law of karma, which is the law of total despair. Only the Bible reveals, reveals to us an infinite personal God who has a plan according to which he totally forgives forever all sins of everyone who repents and believes on Jesus Christ. Let's look at first the words of forgiveness. Words that are used in the Old and in the New Testament. There are seven of them, three Hebrew words and four Greek words. First is the word kafar, from which we get the meaning to cover. Cover or blot out our sins. Another word is nasa. It means to bear, to take away. Another word is salah, used only with reference to God forgiving the sins of people to pardon. Our God who abundantly pardon. In the Greek New Testament, you find the word apoluein, means to release. Then there is a wonderful word, karizomai, Coming from the word charis, which means grace. And the word means to grace you, to give you freely heaven instead of hell that you have deserved. A beautiful word. Another word is aphesis, from aphiemi, to send away. And then there is a word paresis, which means to disregard. Disregard our offenses. And God will not see it. He will disregard. So forgiveness is a very important biblical concept in relation to our salvation. Let's look at the context of this passage. Matthew 18 deals with the importance of humility. There was this important question, even though Jesus Christ was about to die on the cross, the question that the disciples were discussing was, who is the greatest? And Jesus said, you must become like little children. The need for humility, the greatest must become the servant of all. 
Then Jesus spoke about the importance of being vigilant that you will not cause anybody to stumble. That you will not cause anyone to sin. That you must conduct yourself in the church of Jesus Christ in such a way that you will not become a stumbling block to anyone who is a Christian. Then we are told that that we have a responsibility to seek the erring brother and bring him to reconciliation, to forgive him and all that. And then we are told in the 15th verse, if a brother sins against another brother, he needs to be reproved. And on the basis of repentance, he must be restored or must be put away. From the church. Christ loved the church. And gave himself for her. Therefore it is important to maintain. The unity. Of the church. And the purity of the church. In Matthew 5. Beginning with verse 23. Christ taught that if a brother comes to worship. And there remembers. That your brother has something against you. The counsel is leave your gift there in front of the altar. Stop worshiping. Don't even begin to worship. Go and be reconciled to your brother. You are the offending party. Go. God gave you the remembrance of your offense against that brother. Reconcile immediately before you worship. First go be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Our God is holy. His eyes are purer than to behold sin. He is angry at the sinner every day. Therefore the rule is the offering party. The offending party rather. When members of his offense must go first. To be reconciled to his brother. Through repentance. Before he can worship a holy God. In spirit and in truth. And be blessed. But here in Matthew 18, the instruction is with reference to the responsibility of the offended party. If your brother sins against you, you see the same thing in Luke 17. Go and show him his fault. Reprove him until he is brought to his senses. That he may repent. That he may be restored to the church. Christ, the Lord of the church, requires the church to be characterized by unity and purity. So the offended party must go and deal with the issue with the brother who offended him. He must do so in private. He must do so to gain the brother. The purpose is reconciliation based on repentance. If the offending party is stubborn and refuses to repent and be reconciled, refuses to humble himself to the Lord of the church, the offended party must take one or two brothers as witnesses with him and try again for reconciliation. And if he still remains unrepentant and stubborn, tell it to the church. If the offending party is still unrepentant in spite of the ministry of the whole church, he is excommunicated he is put out of the church and regarded as an unbeliever 
God will deal with him. But the church is cleansed of the evil of disunity. And so Peter was listening to this teaching of the importance of reconciliation. The unity of the church. The importance of restoring a brother. The importance of forgiveness. And he learned a lesson that he must forgive. So thirdly the question regarding forgiveness and you see it in the 21st verse then Peter came to Jesus and asked Lord how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me up to seven times Peter understood the teaching of Jesus concerning forgiveness the question is how many times should I do this is there a limit to forgiveness Peter thought seven times would be very generous It was the rabbinic teaching that a man must forgive three times. Rabbi Jose ben Yehuda said, If a man commits an offense once, they forgive him. If a man commits an offense a second time, they forgive him. If a man commits an offense a third time, they forgive him forgive him the fourth time they do not forgive him I'm sure Peter understood this idea and and he is being very generous he doubled it and then added another for good measure and he felt very generous and very good and he said what do you think Jesus up to seven and I'm sure he expected an answer of great approval Number four, answer regarding forgiveness. The reply of Jesus. The problem with Peter was he was still behaving. He was still dealing on the basis of justice and legality. The reply of Jesus is not on a legal basis, but on the basis of the gospel, grace basis. So he says uh, 70 times 7. Now we don't know the exact meaning of it. It could mean 70 or it could mean 490. But in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 4 verse 23. In the Septuagint we face this phrase 70 times. You remember the great 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 grandson of Cain by name Lamech. Lamech. The great, great, great grandson of Cain boasts about his own ability to defend himself against his enemies. He seems to say that he needs no protection from God as Cain received some protection from God. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 70 times seven. In other words, Lamech was boasting as a pagan, as an unbeliever. He was saying that I practice unlimited revenge. But when you are converted by the gospel. In the gospel this is reversed. If a sinner is saved by Christ. If a sinner is transformed by the gospel. He now must forgive his brothers without limit. So the answer is no Peter. Seven times is not generous enough. You must forgive your brother as God in Christ has forgiven you. 
And if you read Luke chapter 17, verse 3 and following, Jesus said, if your brother sins, meaning their sins against you, rebuke him. See, first is revolt. But if you are a member of the church, somebody should what? Rebuke him. Second. Third is, if he repents, forgive him. And then he says, if he, your brother, Jesus is not speaking about a pagan and an unbeliever. If your brother, if he sins against you seven times in one day, and seven times he comes back to you and says, what? I repent. Jesus says, forgive him. And you go, go home and read it, the fifth verse of 17th chapter of Luke. All of the apostles said to Jesus, Lord, what? Increase our faith. See, only when you grow in grace and into the knowledge of Christ, only when you increase in faith, you will also increase in forgiveness, in mercy, because you will understand that we live every moment of our life not on the basis of justice, but on the basis of mercy received from heaven. Justice would have sent us to hell. How soon Christians forget and begin to act on the basis of law and justice. We need greater faith, greater love for God, greater appreciation of God's grace to rise to this level of practicing unlimited forgiveness to our brothers and sisters. And number five, Jesus Christ confirms this teaching by using a parable parable of forgiveness to drive home this limitless forgiveness to be practiced in the church community Jesus now tells a parable he said a king is settling his account of course this is a great king this is infinite God and therefore he has people who owe him great debts. The sovereign decides to settle the account. And here is one brought to him who owed him 10,000 talent. 10,000 was the highest number in daily use. And talent was the highest unit of money. Jesus Christ is driving home the idea that the forgiveness we receive from God is of infinite proportion. The idea is that the debt of this debtor was infinite. Which the debtor was absolutely incapable of paying. You don't know whether it is a talent of gold or silver or copper or bronze or iron. But if Jesus Christ is interested in exaggerating. And that seems to be the principle here. Then we can say it is talent of gold. And James Boyce has this arithmetic. 10,000 talents. Each talent 75 pounds. Each pound at least 12 ounces. And each ounce of gold about $400. And he says in today's price it comes about $3.6 trillion. The debtor cannot pay up. And this great Lord, the great king, commanded the servant to be sold. 
sold. Not only that, his wife to be sold, children to be sold, and his properties to be sold. Well, even if they did all of these, God will not get much at all. And so he falls down and he prays to God and he says, have long suffering toward me. And then he says, I'll pay you all. Well, that's simply prayer. Of course, he knows he cannot do it. Be patient with me. I'll pay you all. Of course, the Lord knows this wretched debtor could not do this. And we are told that he was moved with compassion, moved with mercy, not on the basis of justice. Justice sends every person to hell. The Lord, filled with mercy, released him. You see? Not only released him, forgave him all debt, we are told. He's free. He's a free man. He now owes absolutely nothing. 3.6 trillion is the infinite debt he forgave out of mercy alone. But notice, right away the forgiven man goes in search of a fellow servant who owed him 100 denarius. And one of that is the wage of a person for a day. So if we put a value of $5 an hour, 40 hours a week, 100 working days, it comes about $4,000. And you should understand that it is absolutely nothing compared to this infinite debt. But he goes in search of this man. He finds this man. He grabs him, we are told. He chokes him and he demands the money. And he also falls down and he also prays almost the same prayer. But the man is not moved by any kind of compassion. But he will not show him mercy. He will not hear his beseeching even though that debt is comparatively nothing. He grabs him, chokes him, throws him in prison until he pays him. He became heartless, merciless, hardened. His heart was not in any way changed by his master's mercy. The master was told about this wretched man's cruel behavior. You read that. Beginning with the 32nd verse of this chapter. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Now comes legal basis. In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. That is speaking about eternal hell. This is how, Peter, if you wanted to know something, let me give you the answer. And here is the conclusion. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Even as Christ, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. There are two bases for dealing with 
sin. One is the basis of what? Mercy. The other is the basis of justice. Let me read to you Exodus 34, 6 and 7. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's mercy. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. That's mercy. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. There are two bases. Mercy or justice. So, Jesus answers Peter's question. Not seven times. You must forgive from your heart always because you received mercy and you must show mercy. Otherwise, you'll be thrown into prison where they will torture you. Number six, we need to learn some lessons from this. I want to give you several lessons. Number one, all are God's debtors. The Bible clearly teaches that. Isn't that true? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none good. There is none understands. There is none who seeks God. All have wandered away. The book of Psalms, 40th chapter, we read, in verse 12, for troubles without number surround me, my sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. Born sinners, practicing sin every day, every day committing thousands of sin, you multiply that. By 365 times 80 years, 70 years, or how many years you live. Even one sin by a creature against the infinite God is infinite. All are debtors to the infinite person, almighty, all holy God. Understand that. Even you who are children, who you are born a sinner. And you sin every day. You don't even understand it. Number two, there is a day of judgment. It is appointed for man wants to die and then judgment. St. Paul spoke about in Acts 17.31, God has appointed a day, it's set a day. And he will judge by Jesus Christ whom he raised from the dead. And Ecclesiastes the 12th chapter, the 13th verse, and 14th, read like this. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Learn that. One day, this great sovereign king will order an audit, and you will be brought there are times we want to deal with somebody in the church who, who did something that is wrong and you know what they do? They just go and join another church. And the other church will be very happy to receive 
such a person who is a rebel without any questions asked. In this church, we don't do that. If somebody wants to join this church, we say, where do you come from? And we want a letter from that church, if that is a church, that you are a person in good standing. But we are told one day you will be brought before God. You cannot go and join another church. You can do that now. And you just keep joining another church. There is a day of judgment. There is one who is keeping score of sin. Book of Deuteronomy 32nd chapter. Beginning with verse 34, have I not kept this in reserve and sealed it in my walls that the sin of sinners, it is mine to avenge, I will repay in due time, their foot will slip, their day of disaster is near and their doom rushes upon them. From this, Jonathan Edwards preached the great sermon, the sinners, sinners in the hand of an angry God. And you open Revelation chapter 20 and verse 12. There is the judge opening the books. And dealing with every person. Who will not bow down and beg for mercy. Now before God. They will see him as judge. And dealing with everything on the basis of justice. Number three. There is a great king and this king is Jesus Christ. Who humbled himself became man. And he died the death of a criminal. And he received upon himself the totality of the wrath that was against us. But him God exalted. He's made Lord and Christ to him has given a name that is above every name. Let me tell you every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. For the glory of God our Father. He is the king. Number four. None will be able. To pay back. This infinite debt. Well you know. Turn to the book of Psalms. Psalm 49. And let me read to you. From verse 7 and 8. No man can redeem the life of another. Or give to God a ransom for him. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough. It's impossible. Go home and read Jeremiah 2 verse 22 and Romans 3 verse 20. All these scriptures will tell you that your debt, your sin against God is infinite and you cannot pay it back. And number five, there is one way of paying this debt now. There is one way. It is the way of mercy. And that is revealed in the 20th chapter of Matthew and verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. It's to serve God and to give his life, what? A ransom for many. Oh, there is only one way which is revealed to us in Romans 3. And let me read to you because so it is so important. Beginning with verse 22, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. 
to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus based on Christ's offering of himself as a sacrifice of propitiation which turned the wrath of God away from us. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Isaiah 53, you read it. The Lord put upon this suffering servant all of our iniquity and he allowed him to be crushed. Without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins and no blood of bulls and calves can redeem anybody. It was the blood of Jesus Christ that is able to cover and blot out our sins forever and forever. And so if a person now repents and believes on Jesus Christ, his sins shall be forgiven in totality forever. That's only the religion of the Bible tells us of a God who will forgive all of our sins and clothe us with his righteousness. No other religion has this message. Oh, beauty of forgiveness based on repentance and faith in Christ. Let me read to you Psalm 103. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Isn't that wonderful? Psalm 130 verse 4. But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore you are what? Feared. No one who receives forgiveness from God will go on in arrogance, live by justice. He will fear God and live by the basis of mercy. Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Blots out and remembers not. By divine decree, he remembers not. He is omniscient, but he says, I will not remember. Isaiah 55, 7 says, let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon Jeremiah 31, 34, no longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Wonderful, isn't it? Micah says, who is a God like you? That's what Micah means. Who is a God like you who pardons sins and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever but delight to show mercy. And then, listen, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins under foot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Next lesson we should learn is what we are taught in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5 and verse 7, blessed are the merciful, they will obtain mercy. 
infinite mercy be received if you are a Christian. You didn't want him to deal with you on justice. You sued him for mercy and he showed him mercy. So live not on the basis of justice but mercy toward the brothers who may sin against you. If you received infinite mercy then this mercy transforms your life. If you say that you are a Christian and you remain stubborn and arrogant and proud, I assure you that you have not received mercy because mercy transforms your life. Forgiven, therefore, must forgive. Forgiveness of our brothers is the proof and evidence that we have been truly forgiven. And Jesus Christ was invited by a Pharisee, a Simon. Remember, he went to this house. Luke 7 tells about it. And he was not given water to wash. He was not given a kiss. He was not given anointing oil. And there came a wicked woman who received forgiveness. And she comes and washes her feet with her tears and dries it with her hair. And then she kisses not the face but the feet. Counts it a great privilege to kiss his feet again and again and again. And then she pours the expensive perfume upon this one. And Jesus asked the question, there are two debtors, one is forgiven, a very big debt, the other is forgiven little, which one will love the master more? And very reluctantly, and the answer came, the one who is forgiven more. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, we have been forgiven infinite debt. How dare we not live in forgiveness and in mercy? The unforgiving brother is demonstrating that he never received forgiveness and so that he is going to be sent to hell because the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Go home and read John 3.36. And not only that, such a person will be dealt with on the basis of God's justice that day when he deals with all unbelievers. An unforgiving brother or sister in the church of Jesus Christ proves that he or she is false in her or his claim to be a Christian. You see, church, a local church, has all sorts of people in it. In the 25th chapter of Matthew, we read, there were ten virgins, five foolish and five wise. They, the foolish virgins, were false. They were not real Christians. But if you are a real Christian, you will adore God for showing you mercy. You will love God, and then you love his people. And you will be handed over to the tormentors to torture you. Until we are told you pay everything which never happens. That is what the eternity of hell is all about. Go home and read Luke 16 verse 23 and 28. Hell 
has torment in it. And the rich man is being tormented and cannot find any relief. Number seven, some application I want to give it to you on the basis of this. Let us practice forgiveness. You can make notes of this. If you have never received God's forgiveness of all your sins, based on his mercy, I say now is the accepted time, now is the day of salvation. It is now the gospel is going out saying, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ who died for all who trust in him. He will instantly pardon all your infinite debt. This one is great king. King has laws. Sin is violation of law. And that means guilt. And guilt must be punished either in Jesus Christ or you must bear it. But our Lord Jesus Christ forgives sins if you repent. He says, come, come, come. Receive mercy freely. Number two, if you are a Christian, practice a spirit of forgiveness always toward all. And this will happen if you value Christ's death in your behalf. First Timothy chapter one. And let me read to you how Paul always appreciated this salvation. First Timothy 1.12, I thank Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appoint me to his service even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me the worst of sinners. Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience. As an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. A truly forgiven person is always thinking about the cross of Jesus Christ. Upon which God has displayed his infinite love. The length of it we cannot understand. The width of it we cannot understand. The height of it we cannot understand. The depth of it we cannot understand. It is absolutely incomprehensible even though we must try to understand it. And number three. Forgive those who sinned against you when they say they repent. Whether you feel they repented or not. Who are you to demand that you should feel that they really repented? You are under the order of the Lord of the church. Psalm 130 verse 4 says you are forgiven so that you may fear God. Let God deal with this person who... If he is not repenting properly, you don't deal with him. Number four, if you remember you sinned against a brother or sister, go immediately, repent, and ask forgiveness in Christ's name. It will be granted. You may be old, you may be young, you may be a teenager, you may be in your 30s, you may be in your 40s, you may be highly educated, you may be great. But let me tell you, 
we all stand on the basis of God's grace and mercy. Number five, practice forgiveness daily in the home between husband and wife. Practice it. Parents and children, practice it. You see, if the church practices this, there won't be any divorce. There won't be any destruction of children. There will be healthy family. If we meditate upon God's infinite grace, the next number, practice a spirit of forgiveness at workplace. A spirit of forgiveness. Not being bitter, not scoring and taking score of every offense. A spirit of forgiveness toward the boss and toward fellow workers. And be ready to forgive them when they come and ask you. And the next number, practice forgiveness in the church of Jesus Christ. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3, strive to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. If you offended somebody, go to that person, Matthew 5. If you are the offended party, go to that person and take care of it. The church must be one and pure. What about toward enemies? Oh, the Bible says, love your enemies. Pray for them. Practice that. You'll be amazed to to see how your heart will be changed and transformed when you begin to pray for your enemy. And when you do good to them and have a spirit of forgiveness. Finally, practice unlimited forgiveness. Write down two verses, Ephesians 4.32 and Colossians 3.13. Forgive even as God in Christ forgive you. You see, the quality of God's forgiveness. See, when he forgives, he has forgotten it. Hallelujah. He has removed it. He has thrown it into the ocean. He has trampled it under his foot. That's quality of forgiveness, isn't it? Never to remember. But there is also quantity. He forgives what? All of our sins. Which we commit every day. Because we are still sinners. And when we do this, then the church of Jesus Christ will experience unity and purity. And not only that, your happiness will shall be inexpressible. Let me read to you from the book of Isaiah. And it will be your experience when you practice forgiveness. Let me read to you from 58th chapter of Isaiah beginning with verse 8. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. And your healing will quickly appear. Let me assure you that's the truth. You know, right now there are people here who have bitterness in their hearts right now. And it affects your health and welfare. Because when the inside is rotten, we feel it in the body. But if you are a sinner never trusted in Christ, you repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, this will happen to you. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Meaning now you are in deep darkness. And your healing will quickly appear. I'm speaking about spiritual healing. 
which is of greater significance than all the other healings. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Hallelujah. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. We are told when you stand up in prayer, first thing you have to do is what? Forgive. And he taught us in his prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. In other words, if you will not forgive woman, man, then your prayer is not going to be heard. He refuses to answer you on the basis of mercy when you refuse to deal with others on the basis of mercy. Then you will call and and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. We ought to say, here I am. Speak, Lord, your servant heareth. But hear God say, here I am. What do you want me to do for you? Isn't that wonderful? Then your light will rise in darkness. Isn't that amazing? Then your light will rise in darkness and your night will become like the noonday. Oh, think about what you've been missing for a long time, sister, brother, mother, father, children. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in where? A sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Verse 14, then you will find your joy in the Lord. Hallelujah. And I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's a signature. Underneath there is the signature of God Almighty. Think about it. Christians must forgive because we have been forgiven our infinite debt. How dare we treat others on the basis of law and justice. He is a hypocrite who goes to God for mercy and deals with others on law. If you want, if you are saying, I want to forgive people and I want to ask God's forgiveness for my arrogance and God will forgive you. No matter how old you are, how young you are and ask God to forgive you a sin of hardness of heart. We have no right to show, to deal with others in justice. I'm here to declare to you the word of God. Hallelujah. And when you leave this place, you will be washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ, which alone is able to cover, to cover, to blot out our sins. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you that you spoke your word to us again, the gospel that tells us life is in the Son. Lord, we pray that you grant faith to your people, that they may believe in Jesus Christ and be saved. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Grace Valley Christian Center is committed to the unchanging truths of the Holy Scriptures. We have been proclaiming the whole counsel of God since 1974 
through our weekly worship services, our website resources, and our publishing ministry. For more information about our church, to find more edifying sermons, or to order books by the Rev. P.G. Matthew, please visit our website at gracevalley.org.